Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Connor, and you're listening to another episode of Film Talks. This week, we got Blade Runner 2049. Came out only a few years ago, starring Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford. Uh, It didn't make a lot of money when it first came out. I remember watching it, and it was boring. I wasn't, like... I don't know how old I was at this point, but I watched it with my dad and I was like, you know, everybody was hyping it up. I'm like, I don't really get it. Just watched it again a couple days ago. And this is why I'm making a video because I was like, this movie is actually awesome and I need to talk about it because I need to just vent out all this stuff. Why do I love this movie? Well, let's just start off with the fact that here we have a case where a studio revived an old IP as in the Blade Runner IP and it didn't try to, like, smush in all that nostalgia, right? You know, like, when Force Awakens came out, right? Everybody was like, oh, there's the Millennium Falcon, there's Han Solo, there's Chewbacca. Oh, Han Solo said the line. Chewbacca did the thing. R2-D2 did his thing. And you're, it, it felt like the that sequel trilogy was really bad at balancing a new good story and giving you some of those old delights that you really loved from past movies. In this case, um, I was never a big fan of the original Blade Runner. I'd really, in fact, only seen certain scenes, so I understood uh, the basic premise of what was going on, but I was never like, oh, I need another one, or let alone did I need to finish the original one. It was never that interesting to me. But this new one, I love it because... You don't even have to watch the first one to really understand what's going on. Uh, I think, you know, maybe if you want to do like a Cinema Sins thing in the very beginning, they give you a little bit of text to read so you're a little filled in on what's going on. Um, it's it's a science fiction movie where with androids, and uh, it's kind of a typical... Whenever you have androids in a movie, most of the time the plot is about them rebelling or whatever. So in this case, there were a first generation of androids and people questioned, you know, if they could be trusted. So those androids were being decommissioned because maybe they were too human, you know, who knows. And they were replaced with newer models that could be um, more obedient and less free-thinking, or so they think, you know. Basically how all these movies go. But it doesn't ever get to the point where I'm like, oh, I've already seen this movie, because there's a whole ambiance to the whole thing. And first off, I'm going to go with the music, because the music is so interesting. It's not in any way music I would listen to outside the movie. I think there's plenty of music. For instance, um, Zack Snyder's Justice League that just came out. I watched that movie, and I loved the score so much that I took bits and pieces out and have listened to it randomly and it gets me hyped up like superman's theme song oof, so good i could listen to that i could run to that that would make me run through a wall that song is so freaking good okay but this music it's it's not at all that kind of music but it gives you this vibe and I, i'm i'm again i'm not a uh, a big music connoisseur but i took the time to try and listen to some of the the music and break down the feeling that it gave me. Because I truly think that this music plays a huge role, as does all music, in how you feel about a movie. And it's just so haunting, because it's just sort of sitting in the background, and it can get really quiet, and then it just swells up in this big synth kind of sound. 
and and it's very it's it's made by Hans Zimmer and this other guy Benjamin Wallfish. I, I think that's that's how it's spelled. So I'm gonna sound it out. Uh, but very Hans Zimmer, where you get these big bombastic noises. It you know you get really loud and you get really quiet, but most of the time there's just there feels like there's something underneath it that you can't really pinpoint and it's just sort of like just beneath the surface and when you listen to it you feel like there's something out there that's wanting something which to me is kind of scary it definitely feel it gives me like uh in in the alien movies like that synth kind of metal against metal noise where you're just you feel like you know you're not alone but you can't really pinpoint what is exactly out there and maybe there's nothing but I think it really builds on this because the the movie itself is kind of a mystery so it builds on that paranoia of you know what what's really going on what's out there and it it's also emblematic of the type of world that they've created it's obviously being science fiction you have these huge skyscrapers in these big cities but it's it's a sci-fi city that's not alike to many other types of of movies it's uh, i was just thinking about it i think it's really hilarious it's basically i would describe it as wally meets tron legacy so you get those neon signs and all that stuff and that uh, noir kind of vibe uh, mixed with wally where the world is just kind of crappy and trashy very similar to the original star wars movies that i think was a, a big um drive in sci-fi sci-fi was always this clean crisp um, atmosphere and then star wars comes in and alien comes in and they give you this kind of dirty lived-in science fiction world because let's be honest even even nowadays there's no such thing as a clean surface, okay? And and here we are looking at these science fiction cities and spaceships that are like pristine white. And you're like, that's never going to happen. If somebody lives in there, it's going to be white for about two seconds. And in Blade Runner, I think it takes that rustic lived-in vibe to 10,000 because you're seeing a future that could very much be what the future of earth will look like these huge cities that are impressive with you know flying cars and all that stuff but at the same time when you're walking down the streets it, there's gas pumping everywhere the streets are dirty the people look miserable and you go outside the city and there's just miles and miles of trash uh, again that's why it gave me wally vibes but you you mix those visuals of that city with these sounds and whenever you get and I, I honestly I think uh, when I watched this with Jasmine she wasn't a big fan of it uh, but they have a lot of scenes where there's just you're just looking at something like a car flying while the music goes and you're just kind of looking at what the world looks like like there's these big pyramids sometimes that they'll drive into and it's just it's so creepy but cool looking it's just an interesting thing to look at like you could look at these visuals and listen to this music together for hours and i wouldn't get bored honestly it was just as interesting and invigorating to just just watch and listen without any dialogue without any action and just like experience the world and i think that's an incredible thing that they did was made to to make something that's typically boring interesting. I think that's something that Peter Jackson did in The Lord of the Rings, where people will criticize it, 
but I never have any problem when they're doing their walking thing and they have those shots uh, from the helicopters with where the fellowship is walking over these big mountains because it's gorgeous and it's interesting to look at. As long as you give me interesting visuals mixed with that great score, I'll 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 live with it. But beyond just these big vistas, the cool thing about the visuals is I thought they did a cool thing with the insides of places particularly the bad guy played by Jared Leto. He is basically the constructor of all these androids. He bought out the old guy, and now he's making the androids, and he lives in a big pyramid thing. But the really cool thing that they did, and I'm pretty sure it's practical, it looks like it could be practical, but most of the rooms are just stone, except for the ceiling. The ceiling is a little bit open in the middle, and that's where the light comes in, but it seems like before the light comes through the glass, there's like a, a little bit of water on top of the glass. So when the light comes in, it creates these waves on the walls and, and sort of like a shadows of waves. And it creates such interesting things to look at. When you're just looking at a basic room that's just pure stone, there's nothing on the walls. It's very minimalistic. But these waves on the stone just completely changed the whole thing so small so minuscule but especially when you get these close-ups on these people talking and you can see the light sort of moving around them and then you see the waves kind of bouncing off their faces and all that it's just again super cool to look at and i'm barely even paying attention to the dialogue which leads me into the dialogue uh is it bad no i thought the dialogue was smart enough for a sci-fi movie, but not annoyingly smart. Like, it was it was probably on par with a, um, a Star Trek, a Star Wars. I wouldn't go as far as, say, if anyone's ever seen Westworld, uh, Westworld is super head-thinky. I think it plays around with the ideas of, you know, what does it mean to be human and all that. I don't think it digs super deep. Like, Westworld goes, like face first into like a pile of mud of what is this what is the answer to this question and then maybe doesn't really come out and answer that question in this movie they don't really you know want you to think too hard about it and i think that's super cool a lot of times in movies when i leave i'm busy thinking about an idea busy thinking about how the story continues the quiet place movie what i really liked about that was the way it ended it ended in a way that the family looked super cool and i was like oh so this family has figured out a way to destroy these monsters how are they going to continue are they going to just go town to town and save other families from these monsters because they know the secret i don't know we're getting a quiet place too so we'll find out but in my heart a little bit, I was like, I kind of just wanted them to leave it at one. In, in Blade Runner 2049, it's a little different. I'm not leaving this story kind of wondering where it's going to go. Because to be completely honest, I didn't think the story was the most interesting part. It's the world that's super interesting. And in a way that if you like video games, you get you dig into that world, especially RPG video games... And you're living in your character, you're becoming your character, and you love that character. So you're really enthralled in the world. Despite its its flaws, it was just so interesting that I'd be curious how I would live in this world. For instance, there's the, the evil company. They create these um, AI companions played by the um, 
I don't remember her name, but she's in Knives Out. She's the girl who throws up whenever she tells a lie. She's a big deal now. I don't think she was as big in the, when this movie came out. But she is a hologram AI that people will purchase. And she'll be installed in your home. And she builds up data banks and all this stuff so she can become more tuned to your lifestyle and fit better with you. And again, this is where it, it kind of sort of dances on these interesting ideas, right? She's an AI, and Ryan Gosling, our main character, he thinks that she's attached to him. He thinks that she loves him, but does she? She's just an AI. How far can this love go, even no matter how hard she expresses it? Uh, what her, How she cries, how she tries to show that love, is it real or is it programmed? It's, it, it dances on these ideas. But again, I think a lot of the effort that went into this movie went into the ambiance and the look and feel of the film, which leads perfectly into what I want to talk about next, which is the CGI. I love talking about the CGI in movies, and typically when I discuss this topic, I can point out flaws, and I usually want to start there. In this case, I can't find any flaws. Like, there's flying cars, there's locations that don't exist I, I don't know what's practical in this movie and what's not. However, I think this movie did win an Oscar for visual effects. And there's one particular scene I think most people brought up when they mentioned that this one won an Oscar. And there's this love scene. And it's, it's not super nudie or whatever. But the reason why this love scene is emblematic of how cool the CGI is or, or how cool these visual effects are is there's this scene where the girl from Knives Out, the AI character, she wants to show her love for Ryan Gosling's character. However, she's a hologram, so she can't touch him. So she hires, uh, I guess, a prostitute or whatever off the street to come in to be her physical body. And she is play the prostitute is played by the, um, the new Terminator in the new Terminator movie, the, the girl. And they have this scene where she kind of has to sync up with the two girls have to sync their motions together. And I saw the behind the scenes of how they filmed this. They essentially filmed the scene twice and they had to be super particular because their motions had to be exact because they their two bodies would be overlaid. So when, when you watch it, you will see both actors sort of in the same place, sort of like echoes of each other. And it's just super interesting to watch. And again, I think it's a very similar visual to how they have these waves uh, reflecting on the walls and all that stuff. So I think there's a lot of callbacks to everything. Everything fits together in this weird puzzle. The more you think of it, the more you think about it, the more the visuals make sense and start echoing throughout the entire movie. It's super cool. So really, the again, I can't repeat myself enough. The visuals, so cool. Music, so cool. What about the story? For any of you who haven't seen this movie, I don't really want to spoil it, honestly, too much. So I'll give you, like, the little bit of a gist is there is a lost child. They find out that an android gave birth to a child. And it's very similar to Jurassic Park, where the scientists are like, we made these dinosaurs, they can't give birth, and then what do we find out in Jurassic Park? They're giving birth, and they're like, how is this possible? In the same way in this movie, the humans find out that the original androids actually gave birth to a, sing a single child, and they're trying to find that child so that uh, they can eradicate it. However, 
there's multiple agendas going around. So the government essentially wants to take out the child so the androids don't rise up. But Jared Leto's character, he wants to find the child so he can figure out how to breed the androids so he doesn't have to do as much work. He's been creating all these androids by hand and he can't do it fast enough, so he wants to breed them so it can go faster. And then on the third side, you have the androids who are trying to keep the child safe so that they have, I guess, their rallying person that they can, you know, get behind and lead a rebellion. And that's really all they want to leave it at because it's so interesting. And you have Ryan Gosling, he's a a detective at, at a police agency, and he's been told to find the child. But he himself is an android, second generation, and so there's a lot of, you know, give and take, like, do I, do I want to kill something, you know, all that stuff, and he mentions this interesting dilemma where he's never killed something that's been born before, because all androids have been made, and he's only had to ever kill androids. And now he's been sent to kill something that's been born, and there's some complication there. How, do, how does he deal with that burden? Um, what does it feel like to kill something that's actually been brought into this world in a way that he would never have experienced? And it, there's also, you know, dilemmas with him thinking back on memories. Are his memories real? There's a whole lot of, again, the paranoia that bleeds through this whole movie. And then... Midway through, we see Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, main actor in the original Blade Runner. And it's perfect because he's not in the whole movie. I didn't think there were a lot of... There, there's... The first time you see Harrison Ford, it's obvious. It's a, ooh, it's Harrison Ford from the original. Boom, you get it. There's your moment. But from that moment on, there's never a big... Like, oh, here's a callback to the original that's annoying. You don't feel like, oh, I don't get it because I never watched the first one. And you never feel like, oh, they're targeting me because I saw the first one. It's its its own thing. And I love it. As for the acting of these characters, Ryan Gosling, I love. He shows a lot of good emotion. And I think, honestly, Ryan Gosling, Robert Pattinson, these pretty boy actors who a lot of people just talk crap about for no reason. I think they, they deserve some respect, honestly. I love a lot of Ryan Gosling movies. Robert Pattinson is really winning me over. I saw the Lighthouse movie. He's about to be in the Batman movie. Uh, I think, you know, people, when they think of Ryan Gosling, they think of The Notebook, or they think of Robin, Robert Pattinson. They think of uh, Twilight. And there's so much more than that, and I think they've really developed their acting skills, and I think, again, they, they deserve some cred. In this movie, Ryan Gosling has to play an android who doesn't know if he has feelings or doesn't have feelings, and yet he has to play somebody who's really cool but conflicted, and it's good. It's great. Harrison Ford, I think a lot of times these new movies, Harrison Ford, he's an older guy, and I think when he goes into these franchises, he kind of just, you know, phones it in like Bruce Willis at this point. But Harrison Ford, he does great. He, I think maybe even his character helps him a little bit because his character is an alcoholic and all that stuff and he's old. And so Harrison Ford can, I guess, just be himself and it works. Uh, Robin Wright, she is the police commissioner lady and uh, she plays a great bad cop, basically. That's who she is. She's a corrupt official and it, she does it great. Uh, Jared Leto is subdued. He wears these weird contact lenses to make his eyes look opaque. And apparently when he was filming it, he was blind the whole time. So it's very Jared Leto. He's super just strange for no reason. 
but he's in it so little that it doesn't matter. And when he is in it, it's fine. Uh, the, the girl from Knives Out, she is perfectly fine as well. And beyond acting, I think the actual action in this movie is impressive because typically this is a hard drama, which by the way, this movie is like almost three hours long. So when I was watching with Jasmine, Jasmine was like, that was a long movie. I didn't think it like taxed me, but you, you know, when you finish it, you're going to be like, oh, it's dark outside now. That's great. The day's over. But what helps with dramas, I think, is the action. And there are a lot of good dramatic directors that don't know how to do action, in my opinion. In this movie, the action, although minuscule in comparison to the entire movie, it's refreshing and interesting enough that it's fun. Uh, you add into the mix Ryan Gosling, because he's an android, he's essentially super strong, but like in a way that Bruce Willis is in the Unbreakable movie. Like It's not like Thor or Hulk, but it's strong enough that he's, you know, running through walls and throwing people into walls and all this stuff. So there's like a heightened action to it. And there's there's that impact that I was saying when I saw Mortal Kombat, I didn't really feel that, you know, those punches landing and you didn't see hear the visceral noises and movements and all that stuff. In this movie, you're getting it. There's the even the sound of the guns are cool. Ryan Gosling takes out his gun and he does these quick draw moves and he takes out like five guys in a row and it's super satisfying, even the sound of the gun and the impact of it on their bodies. It's great. There's an ending action scene between him and an evil girl android who is the assistant of Jared Leto. She's like an unhinged android who has no rules, so she, you know, you know, kills a bunch of people even though, you know, androids aren't supposed to kill humans and all that stuff. So they go at it and you know, they're they're stabbing and shooting and it's it's all it's all goodness. So that kind of just leads me into my last point, the all-encompassing point that's super interesting to me. The director of this movie is Dennis Villanueva. I think that's how you say his name. He's going to be directing the Dune movie, and he directed Sicario. He directed that one with Amy Adams' Arrival, where she speaks to the aliens that are kind of like squid tentacle people. What I think is interesting about him is he seems to be in the same vein as Christopher Nolan, because they're both hard, dramatic, but influential directors of our era but they're also blockbuster directors like typically when you get these artistic directors like Steven's uh, not Steven Spielberg like uh, Quentin Tarantino or Kubrick like, like like those kinds of directors they don't tend to bring in a lot of money like it doesn't tend to be this big uh, commercial success that everyone's clamoring to see that everybody's talking about on Instagram and all that stuff Christopher Nolan is huge everywhere. Like, he released those Batman movies and they were big. Then Inception came out and everybody was like, we gotta see it. Even though it's... Like, he makes these thinky, artistic, interesting movies and yet they have the same fanfare as a Marvel movie. And that's incredible because even Quentin Tarantino doesn't have that. But he's this big name. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows how artistic he is, whether you like his stuff or not. But he doesn't bring people in like those movies. And I think Dennis Villanueva is very similar to that. I don't think he's had the commercial success that's emblematic with the movies that Christopher Nolan has had, but he gives off this vibe of these artistic, interesting movies that are also meant to be a blockbuster. That's why I think he's perfect for Dune, because it's meant to be this franchise, because it's sci-fi and it's, you know 
gloomy and dirty and all that stuff. And I think it could make a lot of money because he just has this vibe that I think is so interesting. And I think people will be clamoring to see it on Instagram as long as they know who he is. I think the benefit that Christopher Nolan has was he had the blockbuster draw mostly because he did Batman. And everybody knew his name because they're like, those Batman movies are great. He probably makes other great movies. And people, you know, he took that fan base from Batman and they followed him, basically. I don't think he had as many fans before he did Batman Begins. But Dune could be that for Dennis Villanueva. So we'll look out for that. That'll be very interesting. Um, but yeah, so Blade Runner 2049, super cool. Love it. The I'll, I'll say my one criticism is probably the story towards the end. Because, it, you know, the story was serviceable. I was interested in it. I was, again, mostly there for the visuals and the music. But then at the end, it kind of just ends. And I was like, I don't know how I feel. Because it wasn't, it didn't leave me in a way where I was like, oh, I want to see where these characters are. It was kind of just, it just ended. And I was like, oh, I guess that's over. And so that's why I ended the movie kind of feeling like, oh, I want to just stay in the world a little bit longer. I was fine leaving the characters behind. But I was like, I want to just keep seeing things. But, again, what these great directors do when they have these uh, big fanfare movies, the, the great ones know when to end it. And I appreciate that. When, whenever it's Christopher Nolan or Dennis Villanueva, they're not going to be like, oh, here's a third one just for the heck of it. They're like, that's the story I wanted to tell. They didn't make a movie for it to make five other sequels. They were like, I have a story, I have a vision, here it is, and I'm done. And I'm walking out, and you can do whatever you want from now on, but... You know, that's the story I wanted to tell. And the story is perfectly fine. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend this movie for families or children. There's some nudity and a lot of blood. Um, maybe some cursing. I don't remember. It's not super crass or crude. It's just there, like a typical sci-fi thing. Like, if again, if anyone's seen Westworld, like, Westworld isn't always super crude or explicit, but sometimes there's just nudity or gore just there and you're like oh there it is and now it's gone uh was it did it need to be there probably not but they put it there and it's very similar to that but i recommend this movie to those sci-fi fans to people who have the three hours to spare and who like ryan gosling and yeah i i, th I think you guys will really enjoy it it's super fun uh, i i give this movie my full praise Unlike other ones I've I've watched and reviewed, this is probably the first one that I'm like really excited to talk about, and so I did. So yeah, I I hope hopefully my review gave you something to be excited about or want or gave you some want to watch this movie, and that's all I got. So thank you all for listening to this new episode. Uh, I had a few recommendations recently for new movies to review, so I'll be talking about those in the coming weeks. Uh, you can check out my posts on Facebook and Instagram at film.talksofficial. That's where I post kind of trivia posts, where I accept recommendations and kind of have a back and forth with everybody. It's super interesting. It's super fun. Hop on and we'll go at it. We'll do some dialogue. I'm fine debating some stuff if you want to do that, or I'm fine just talking about it. I really like talking about movies and I like talking about it with people. So let's just get at it. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel, Film Talks. You can check that out as well. Uh, and that's all I got. So thanks for tuning in. So long. Have a good week.